Today on Locked On Canadians, the latest on Cole Caulfield's potential contract, Michael Pizzetta, has been extended, and there will be some news on the salary cap, but not this year. It'll be next year. That's all coming up on today's episode. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 859 of Locked On Canadians. Uh, we thank you so much for making this your first listen of the day every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube, all throughout the off-season. Yes, throughout the off-season. People keep asking me, even in the off-season? Yes, even in the off-season. And the reason for that is there's plenty of news that is going on. Like right now, we have a potential update on Cole Caulfield's contract, uh, upcoming contract. We have a definite <laughs> update on the Michael Pizzetta contract. Uh, and there's a salary cup update thanks to Gary Bettman's media availability in the Stanley Cup final media day or whatever it is that they're calling to try to be like the F- NFL. Uh, Scott, first of all, my co-host Scott, a wonderful Scott from Habs Eyes on the Prize. How are you doing on this? We are recording this on a Sunday morning. So what I think is going to happen is that Kent Hughes is going to do his Monday 8 a.m. news drop, and that's when we're going to hear about the Cole Caulfield contract. Uh, but first, how are you doing? How was your weekend? I, I'm doing all right. So my voice sounds a little bit shot. We were out and about yesterday visiting some friends and doing some stuff, and so my voice is a little bit rusty today. I am, like many people, just waiting for any kind of news at this point, any kind whatsoever. Uh, the Michael Pozzetta news was fun, and we will talk about that and some things tangently related to that. But the biggest thing is, like you mentioned, this whole Cole Caulfield article thing here is that, or article, uh, the rumors around this. If these turn out to be true, they should just start building Kent Hughes' statue. Now, I have the tweet up in front of me from Tony Marinaro, who hosts the sick podcast, formerly of TSN 690, and... Yesterday, I'm hearing a report that Cole Caulfield's new contract with the Canadians will not be more than Nick Suzuki's cap hit of $7.875 million a year. Already great news. Today, and this was June 2nd, so this was Friday. Friday. Today, I was just informed that talks are progressing. All signs point towards a seven or eight year deal. Uh, If that ends up being true, just an insane value by Kent Hughes and the Canadians organization here. I I personally don't think – I think one of the two things will be true. It will be seven or eight years. I don't believe it will be less than Nick Suzuki's. If it is less than Nick Suzuki's, I don't think it will be seven or eight years. There's going to be a trade-off somewhere in there because that's how these things work. But we're hearing noise and everything now a little bit, which usually means something isn't far off. Even if it's not a Caulfield extension, there will be other news, I think, around in the near future here. Yes, I think it makes sense that Kent Hughes is trying to get his ducks in a row. We are at the beginning of June. The draft is at the end of June. It's like it's coming. You know, he's got to get some things locked up before he can start doing wheeling and dealing and trading up or trading down or just trading away uh, at the draft in Nashville, which is now I want to say four weeks away. Uh, It's yeah, it's four weeks away. 
about three weeks from three today three and a half weeks yeah something like oh no it's in the middle of the week again it's like on yeah. a tuesday and a wednesday so yes it is it is three and a half weeks away anyway so kent hughes is probably getting a, a, something settled so he'll know how much cap he'll have to work with he'll know what players are superfluous on his roster or what the needs are going to be next year so that he can start talking to other gms at at the draft or leading up to the draft about moves he can make it's also kind of time to kind of take stock of what's in your uh what's in your depth what's in your prospect cupboard essentially um and see you know should you trade away some guys maybe you have too much in one uh one position or anything like that so i feel like we're going to hear things trickle in as uh as the next few weeks roll on but you know, in the meantime, we will be talking lots of draft stuff in the weeks leading up. And we have a very exciting live episode planned for you guys. Um, and that's coming up next at the end of next week, which is really, really, really exciting. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk a little bit about what this, what if true, what this report means. I think the first thing for me is that all of the fears that Caulfield was holding out for nine or $10 million were probably overblown. Um I think there might have been some people that sort of panicked when Cole Caulfield said, you know, it's about what's good for the team, but it's about what's good for me as well. And people are like, oh, he's putting himself above the team. Oh, this is so concerning. Oh, he might not re-sign in Montreal. Everybody calm down. Yeah. Everybody calm down. The thing is, it's like, oh, he might want $9 million. Yeah, and he should want to, you know, get paid as much money as he can. That's... Yeah. That's how you open the conversation. You get something in the middle. Exactly. It's like, yeah, you play hockey for the love of the game. You also want to get paid for that. If everyone played for the love of the game, the Canadians would have a salary cap of like $9 million at this point. Like, you you got to get paid while you can. Yeah, he's coming off shoulder surgery, which is probably, and we'll talk about this further on when we get to the salary cap update, if things had gone the way they were supposed to in terms of salary cap growth and people being healthy – this contract is probably already done at this point, but we live in an imperfect world and hockey is an imperfect game with an imperfect ownership group, et cetera. It's going to, these things take time. It's not, it's not a video game where you just go this and it goes back and forth and back and forth. It takes time. Like Caulfield was back in the gym, getting back into working out. We know he's been out of his sling so he can play golf and everything else. I'm not worried about this. And people, it's like, Oh, well, he wants to get paid. Yeah. Again, he should. In professional sports, you have a finite amount of time and it can be taken away from you in an instant. And I'm not saying that Cole Caulfield's going to get injured or anything next season, but get paid while you can. Make your money, especially in hockey, which like gets paid not nearly enough compared to other professional sports. I if he started the conversation with 10, great. Kent Hughes probably started the conversation with six and a half. And they're like you said. They will meet somewhere in the middle. That's how negotiations work. It's like when the teams go to arbitration. Oh, well, they all ask for four and a half and the team offered 1.75. That's how this works, which is an important part to notice or to talk about before we get to the Habs RFA cases later on this summer is they will start at polar opposite ends here. It's a negotiation. It's not a... It's not video games, basically, is that it is a negotiation. It's going to take time. And Ken Hughes wants to make sure he sets himself up to continue to outfit the rest of the team here. And maybe there are other moves that happen during this week that, you know, make it easier. Cap's going to be moved around. I'm not worried. You shouldn't be worried. 
it's going to, I have a feeling a couple of things are going to happen. It's either going to be a long-term deal, a little bit less money, or you're going to see that like four-year deal and he's going to get paid a bunch more in that, in that time. It's stop panicking. It's June 4th. It's too early for panic right now. Right. But wouldn't it be nice if that Tony Marinero information is accurate? Because Tony is dialed in. He's plugged in. Everybody talks to Tony. But whether or not they're telling Tony the truth is always my question. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, I mean, if, if it does, if it is a seven or eight year deal at, let's say, the exact same hit as, as Nick Suzuki, like that would be amazing. I know there's some people that like don't have a whole lot of faith in Caulfield right now. Uh, but I think it's just because this has dragged on too long. I think I think that's probably, you know, the saga's dragged on too long. Uh, in the meantime, we do have a confirmed extension, and that is the Michael Pizzetta deal. Uh, he's very happy about it. We're very happy about it. And we do want to talk to you about it. And that's all coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. We're in the Stan Stanley Cup Championships right now. We're in the final. And for a championship team, it is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle because every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head over to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride! eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so while we were, you know, waiting for the Caulfield extension, because I think to us that is the biggest piece of news that's going to move this offseason forward, the Canadians locked up Michael Pozzetta, fan favorite, uh, teammate favorite, and, you know, one of our favorites, uh, to a two-year extension worth, I think, 812000 per year. He's yes. excited to be back. We're excited to have him back. What does this mean for the Montreal Canadiens, Scott? The biggest thing is here is that this is, and I'm working on an article for this set eyes on the prizes. This is a development win for the Montreal Canadiens. And this is someone who got a one-year extension from Mark Bergevin at the end of his entry-level deal. And it was kind of up in the air, like, okay, is this actually, you know, going to become something? He was part of that infamous Caulfield to the AHL, possessed to the NHL thing during Dominique Ducharme's uh, descent from the Stanley Cup final, basically. And it's nice to see. He was a, a, a slightly stabilizing presence on the fourth line. He always brings the same intensity every night. Michael Pozzetta is going to play every single NHL game like it is his last one because I think he kind of understands that when he finished his entry-level deal and he got that one-year extension, this is borrowed time now. I got to make the most of this. And he did that. He fought literally all comers. He fought Ryan Reeves, for God's sakes, rightly or wrongly in that season. It was wrong. And then last year, it's like he turned himself into someone who became a... I'm not going to say he's a defensive ace. He is not a Patrice Bergeron. He is not a Barkov. He is not a whomever you want to say in that category. 
But for a fourth line guy, and it was Micah Blake McCurdy who put up the chart there, Pizzetta does a pretty good job in his role of mitigating chances when he's on the ice. I mean, the Canadians as a whole, not very good at it, and that comes from the defense and whatever. But Pizzetta's managed to turn himself into a pretty good modern checking forward here. And I think for the Canadians, that's a good thing. Even if he's your 13th forward next year, there's worse options to have, and you can bury the contract in the AHL if you want to. And with two years on there, it's less likely that people will claim him on waivers if he goes on there for whatever reason, because you only want one year usually. Uh, and I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's sticking around. It, that shootout moment in Buffalo last year is probably going to go on like every, should be on every highlight reel for the Canadians. It was a ton of fun. And he's a guy, like you said, is just one of the guys. Teammates love him. He loves being here. He knows his role and he plays it well. And honestly, I'm, it wasn't the most pressing bit of news, but it's done and out of the way. And he's earned that little bit of a two year payday because he, Played on one-year deals, and he earned it. He set a career high in goals, points, and assists last year. It's hard to be upset with an $800,000 contract for a guy on your fourth line. And on his media availability, he talked about getting an opportunity to play on the uh, penalty kill. And uh, he wanted to have a little bit more of that this season because he said that he wanted to establish himself uh, as a penalty killer, which I think is great like he still wants to work on his skills even though like initially I think when he was first brought on like that's not necessarily what people were were um, tasking him with or that was not the expectation for what he would do but the fact that he is doing it wants to do it wants to improve upon it wants to establish himself it kind of like it shows that he's also still willing to evolve his game even though I think you know, today after two seasons, you can say that he has established himself as a presence in the NHL, as an energy presence in the NHL. I just really like that mentality. And like you said, it is a development win for the Canadians. I think it also goes to show that it if you give the person, the, you give the player the right tools, a player with the right mentality will want to build upon it. Like the limit is not what you gave him. The limit is how much more can I do? How much more can I involve, evolve? Uh, and so for me, I think that that is the biggest thing about uh, Michael Pizzetta. Like, I think, I think he's still willing to get better. Uh, it's not just for him. I made the NHL. I'm good now. And a lot of depth forward sometimes, like they have a ceiling. And for him, he doesn't want to have a ceiling. Whether or not, like, physically he can or not, it doesn't matter. He doesn't want to have a ceiling. And I absolutely really love that. So, you know, for me, a great deal for the Canadians, a great deal for, for Michael Pizzetta. I'm very happy for him. I'm very happy for us. We get to watch him. Uh, excellent hair, as always. Um, and I hope he doesn't get rid of that. <laughs> oh, no. Like, that's the thing is it's like he's got, he's got the most creative player NHL, like, look ever he's got the mustache he's got the hair he's got the crazy eyes everything and i i wanted to like before we move on to into our final segment here is michael pozzetta should be considered a development success for the canadians team here because he was kind of listless before they brought in a new group when joel bouchard and jean francois who into the ahl and because when who took over as coach uh after uh bouchard departed during the stanley cup final run pozzetta went down uh, on waivers, cleared waivers, and went to the Rocket and put up six points in the games. He got recalled on merit 
it's just that Caulfield going the other way overshadowed that. And then he just stuck in the NHL. He didn't look out of place. Yeah, he's limited in what he does in that, but he played his role well as a fourth liner, bottom sixer, now a penalty killer. And he stuck again this year. I thought during the preseason he wasn't going to make it. And he stuck around and he set new career highs. Development success does not mean this person became a superstar or a 30-goal scorer. Development success can look like a lot of different things. When you look at Michael Pozzetta's profile from his draft year, he was always a hard-checking forward, an aggressive player, maybe a little bit too much, and a guy who was always involved physically and emotionally. And he was that in the AHL a little bit, perhaps a little bit too emotionally charged, getting himself and his team into trouble here. And now he's an NHL regular. Yes, it's as a fourth liner and as like a second wave penalty killer defensive forward. What do you want to call it? But if you had told me that Michael Pizzetta would be a reg- NHL regular after his draft year, I wouldn't have believed you. And I've watched him play through the AHL and everything else here. I believe that he's always had the team's best interest at heart and he wants to do what he can for that team. He just needed to channel that. And whether that was Jean-Francois, who were the development coaches, or working with Martin St. Louis or whomever, Everything seems to have found that focus there. He's still a a, a wild man out there, which is great, but he's doing it in a way that isn't a negative draw on his team. He's become an NHL regular, 13 forward. He did not have the profile of someone who should have made it as an NHL player, at least not, you know, based on skill and scoring and points and everything. And he did that. That's a success for the Canadians, and every development path is not the same. If the Canadians drafted Connor Bedard this year, we should not hold him to the same standard we hold Michael Pozzetta, and we shouldn't hold Michael Pozzetta to the standard we hold like a Uri Slavkovsky or somebody else in this organization. It's not a massive win. He's a fourth-line player, but it is still a development win. We've seen it with Jake Evans. We've seen it with Raphael Harvey-Pinard. We're hoping to see it with Xavier Simino and Miguel Torini and some of these other guys more and more of these longer shots are starting to make it, which is a sign of good development. We talked about Tampa Bay buying into the system does so much for that. And I think Michael Pozzetta is a perfect example of that. Really happy to have the guy back. And I think he's going to have another good year here. At least that is, you know, what my hope is right now. A hundred percent. Also to note today, while we're recording, this is June 4th. This is the day the players arrive at, in Buffalo for the uh, NHL combine for over the next week, the teams will get to talk to them. There will be medical tests. And then uh, at the end of the week, they will have the physical tests and we will get all kinds of sound bites. And we know some people that are going to the combine. So we will have the bond and get the inside scoop um, at some point in the following week. Uh, in the meantime, today, we still have to talk about the salary cap. Also, I wanted to mention there were a lot of mailback questions we didn't get to on Friday, and some people added a couple in the DMs. Uh, there's an outrageous trade proposal that somebody found, did not propose, uh, but I do want to discuss that next week. Uh, sorry, on the next episode. So we'll have some more mailback stuff in the next episode, unless there's huge news, in which case we'll have the huge news. But if you didn't get your mailback question done on Friday, don't worry, we will still have it. In the meantime, we're going to move on to talking about what did Gary Bettman say about the salary cap? Is it going to stay the same? Is it going to increase? What does this mean for the long-term plans of the rebuilding Canadians? And that's all coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. All right, let us discuss. Scott, there was media availability, and Gary Bettman said that the cap is not going up. 
this year, but it'll go up significantly next year. I feel like yeah. I've heard that one before. So, and this uh, comes from Chris Johnson on Twitter. Gary Bettman said the player's escrow debt won't be paid off by the end of the season. That likely means a $1 million salary cap increase for next season, 2023-2024, with a much larger bump expected for the 2024-2025 season. I assume that larger bump means at least 5 to $6 million. I don't know quite how much debt is left because I believe this is all still accrued thanks to the COVID season and the bubble and everything else and the costs incurred with that. It only going up a million dollars is disappointing because like you said, we've heard that, Oh, it's going to go up. It's going to go up. Oh, it's going to go up two to three. Actually, it's only going to go up one and a half. Now it's only going up a million dollars next season, which, okay. A million dollars is still another player on your roster for the most part. It's disappointing that it isn't going up even more, though. For a team like the Canadians, who are going to be entering a window very soon where old contracts are being shed off, aging out, whatever, it's actually, the timing of it's good, but right now, with the cap going up, that means they might be able to say, hey, do you want Mike Hoffman? Because now that you have a luxury space that some of these teams can play with. Do you want Joel Edmondson? We know teams already do but it helps them play around a little bit more, I think. And to tie this into our first segment with Cole Caulfield here is that if you're Caulfield and you know, the cap is going to go up massively in 2024 and the 2025 season. Do you play on a one-year deal? You sign a one-year deal at like three and a half million dollars and go, I will do this. And then you're going to pay me for the Canadians. I don't think they want to do that because if the cap goes up a lot, I mean, like let's say eight, nine, $10 million for whatever reason, you're going to have to pay Caulfield that $10 million then in that it's like that PK Subban negotiation with Mark Bergevin. I'll pl- I'll sign your two year bridge deal, but you're going to pay me at the end of it. And that's what happened. It's a very, it's a, it's a tightrope for Ken Hughes. It's a very, um, I don't want to say precarious because I think they're set up pretty well to shed these old contracts and bring in new bodies. It's just, can you get your core locked up? Because Doc's contract was what, three or four years, not long-term. You're going to need goaltenders and work in that. It's just so frustrating that this sport seems to be stagnated in here and that you have teams that are like, we have good players who want to get paid and they're not getting paid what they're worth. Connor McDavid's probably worth $16 million in a, in a regular cap or we talk about Austin Matthews wanting $14 million. Yeah, probably to bring it all back though. I think the timing of this is good for the Canadians because that 2024, 2025 season is when guys like Savard are going to be off the books. When Edmondson will be off the books, Mike Hoffman will be off the books. Some of these LTIR guys who are bouncing in between will be off the books. They're going to have a lot of money to play around with. Some guys are going to need new deals. You can extend some other pieces, but they will have cap space and then some to play with. And you're going to watch Kent Hughes. We're going to see what he can do with all that money and space that he hasn't had right now as he works through what Mark Bergevin left for him. And that's exactly the point. I think the Canadians will be in such a good position because of those expiring contracts. And I think, you know, the fact that Bettman said this, maybe we'll see a little bit more of a stall in the Caulfield talks. I don't know. I was really hoping that, you know, what Tony Marinaro had said would come true before anything like this came out. Because <laughs> um, I, I also thought it would go up this year, to be honest. I feel that's why I was like, I feel like I've heard it before. I feel like I've heard that, like, 
it's going to go up and then it doesn't. And, and again, like we saw, like with COVID, it's unexpected, right? Like all these players signed deals or all these teams signed players to deals expecting a steady rise in the cap per year. And that didn't happen. In fact, there were a lot of issues with revenue. So, you know, it stayed still like they had to like, you know, freeze it or whatever you want to call what they did. Like, I think for me, like the biggest thing right now is just get Caulfield locked up. Just, just get it figured out. Just get it figured out. If it's a bridge deal, it's a bridge deal. If it's a long-term deal, it's a long-term deal. Just don't let another team have him. Just don't turn things sour to a point that after his RFA years, he walks away. That's all I want. And I think that's a good point too, is I'm looking at this right now. The Canadians have, I, they're, they're, they have space to play around with, not counting, because uh, I believe they have the cap space, and this includes Carey Price being on the roster still. But, you know, w- with this, it's like if you have sp- if you get Caulfield signed up here, what do you do with Denis Gurionov next? Like if this were if the cap were going up more, Gurionov might be a luxury that you might be able to, you know, stomach here a little bit. Is that OK? Maybe you offer him two and a half million dollars right now. You can't do that because the cap's going up a million dollars. Do you want to commit a chunk of that cap space to Denis Gurionov, who was inconsistent for you when he was on? Great. Awesome. Everyone loved that but you can't bet on that. And you look in the coming years, Arbor Jack guys do for a contract in 2024. You have Caulfield. Now Sean Monahan's the UF. you have some of these guys. The biggest thing is like you said, is getting Caulfield signed. And it's like I said, in the first segment, if the cap had gone up the way that it should have without COVID and everything impacting this, I'm pretty sure this deal is probably already done at this point is that we have the cap space. The cap is continuing to rise. We will give you, you know, eight times eight or whatever it might be. And this contract is done and we're not stressing about it the next day. I understand people's apprehension. It's also not the Canadians fault. The cap stayed stagnant in this because it was either that or there's no hockey at all, which is a mess in and of itself. I'm not worried about this, the contract getting done. I'm very curious to see what a, I can't remember the last time we saw a big escalation in the salary cap. And I'm hoping it isn't like 2016, that offseason where it's like everyone just spent really dumb money on players who were not worth that. You know, the Milan Lucic, the Carl Alzo deals, the Kylock Pozo deals, all these contracts for players who just never lived up to that. I'm really curious to see what GMs and stuff do, including the Canadians in that situation. And that's all obviously stuff for us to watch and continue to talk about. Uh, Please subscribe to this episode wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube to continue listening to us discuss these developments. As I said, we're probably going to do a makeup mailbag tomorrow or the following day, depending on how the news shakes out. Um, In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You'll find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matlow. You will find me at The Active Stick. Uh, Please tell your friends if you like us uh you can leave reviews all kinds of stuff um and in the meantime please sit tight because we will talk to you tomorrow